This is the Valley Labor Report. And my name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, Adam Keller. We are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today, writers are on strike. Actors are on strike. UPS workers are running towards a strike. The UAW begins negotiations with a bang. Bosses are acting up, all that and more on today's program. If you want to be part of the show today, we've got a phone number and the line is open, folks. You can call or text 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. You can also leave a voicemail and we might respond to it on the next show. Uh, So if you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap up here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, you can find us anywhere you find anything online. You can go to tvlr.fm, bookmark that page because that's our website. We update that pretty regularly with articles, uh, summaries of some of the segments that we did on the last show in uh, uh, original reporting, uh, commentary, Stuff like that. You can also go to YouTube, uh, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, all that and more. Just search for The Valley Labor Report. Uh, just a reminder, your support your support really helps keep us on the air. And here is, here's some crazy stuff, um, Adam, that, that you may not know about. We got a thousand new subscribers on YouTube last month. Did you realize that? We got a thousand new subscribers. You know what's what's not as great? We only got one new uh, monthly donor. Yeah. Let's get those uh, numbers up, folks. Um, yeah. Those are those are rookie numbers. And, and I'm not just saying that. And that money doesn't go just straight into my pocket, right? I, I actually... Uh, do this on a totally volunteer basis, which does not make me, you know, better or anything like that. It's just I happen to be in a place where I can do this on a volunteer basis. But that does not mean that the entire show is uh, uh, is is free and is uh, zero cost. There are a lot of costs that go into the running of the show. We do have other people uh, that do actually work for the project. We have to pay them. We pay them $20 an hour. Uh, We uh, pay for this studio space here. This amazing, look at this microphone. That is not free. That is not a free microphone. Look at these lights over here that you can't actually see the lights, but you can see what they're doing. Look at that 
those lights in the background, all of this, that costs money. We also pay to be on a few radio stations like paid programming so that we can reach people that aren't just going to find us online. We can reach people where they're at. That costs money. Uh, we have to pay for a union-made website. That costs money. So, you know, all of this, there are a lot of expenses that go into the running of this project. And, um, and so if you think that it's valuable, you think that it is worth seeing this continue, and I hope you do, if you are able, I would, uh, I would very much request uh, that you support the show if you're able, because um, because we cannot do it, uh, we can't do it, we just simply can't do it without monetary support. So, um, so that's really important. Uh, if you want to support us on a one-time basis, you can also do that. If there's a particular segment or interview or reporting that we did that you feel like was was really good, you can go to tvlr.fm slash donate. Just make a one-time donation. If you want to become a monthly donor, you can set up uh, auto pay for recurring donations. You can also buy our merch at tvlr.fm slash store. Uh, we had a new merch item just drop yesterday, so you're going to want to check that out. People have been asking for a long time. Uh... Hey, when are you gonna uh, uh, drop the new uh, uh, um, another order of the Join a Union T-shirts? Uh, and folks, I can tell you that uh, yesterday we did it. Uh, Pre-orders are open again. We got a new redesign. I think it looks better, actually. I think it looks better. Uh, the shirts are going to be better quality, actually. We are now going with a new manufacturer, American Roots. Uh, there, and I'm I'm wearing another one of our shirts that we have done with them in the past, and you can't really tell from the video, but it's much softer than the Join a Union T-shirt that we put out. Almost a year ago to the day, actually, because it came up in my Facebook memories. Um, so we put out the old one, uh, the, the last run, about a year ago to the date. And uh, and so we're, we're doing another design. Uh, it's a little bit more expensive, but I think it's worth it. Um, it's obviously, again, 100% union made, 100% American materials. Um, and uh, the design was, uh, was done in-house and, and with artists that, that we paid. So... Really cool thing. You can see that tvlr.fm slash store. Get your order in there. We're only going to keep orders up through the middle of August. And uh, and then, so you should hopefully see those shirts in the middle of September. Um, also, if you're a member of a union, then think about getting your local to sponsor the show. Our listeners are the largest single source of funding that we get, uh, but we absolutely could not do it without our union sponsors. So, um, so please do, uh, if you're a member of a union, consider bringing it up at your next monthly meeting. Hey, I think we as a union should donate, you know, X amount of money to the show. I think that we should add it to our, uh, to our budget annually to donate so much a month, $100, $200 a month. Um, that is really, really helpful. Uh, we could not do it without them. And we are coming on, uh, coming it, uh, uh, into like a, a budget crunch right now. Uh, there are some people that, uh, some, some sponsors that, that are a little bit late. Um, some sponsors that have, you know, some people that have said they're going to come on as a sponsor that haven't actually yet. And so, you know, we're in a little, running a little tight right now. So any, anything that, that your union organization, uh, business could do to support, we would very much appreciate it. Absolutely. And we're happy to speak to your group or your union. Uh, we're happy to come to a meeting and talk about it. If that will help, uh, just let us know. Any, anything we can do to collaborate, that's what we're all about. 
And let me add a disclaimer that any viewpoints or opinions expressed in this program today belong solely to their author and do not necessarily represent any organization or sponsor. We welcome all of our listeners, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Unclaimed Mysteries Internet Radio, WVNN, WZZA, WHIV, or through your favorite podcast app. We are proud to be part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network and encourage our listeners to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, so the big thing that we've got today is we're going to be going over some history of the 1997 UPS strike. Um, That is really important for understanding where we are today. Um, but we are going to be, it's going to be a little while before we can get to that. We are uh, going to be doing that in overtime, actually. So if you're listening to us on the radio and you're interested in learning more about the 1997 UPS strike, then find us online, Facebook or YouTube. Um, and we're going to be talking to Teddy Ostro. He is a freelance reporter and host of The Upsurge, which is a podcast specifically about uh, the contract negotiations between UPS and the Teamsters in 2023. And uh, and he's also doing some excellent work contextualizing some of the fights that they are going through today and how they're similar to the past, uh, what's different, what's the same, um, and how people are, fi- uh, are, are, are organizing um, not only for a union, but for a fighting union. Uh, So really cool stuff. Uh, Really looking forward to that conversation. Uh, But that's going to happen in overtime. So so find us on YouTube, Facebook, and we're going to be talking to him at about 1130, Lord willing, um, if nothing happens. And and we we should be good. uh, As long as he doesn't get caught on a train or something. He is attending, actually, a rally in New York today where the labor Sean's are coming together. Sean Fain of the UAW and Sean O'Brien of the Teamsters are doing a rally together in New York and he is uh, present at the rally right now. It's actually happening right now, reporting on it for the upsurge and in these times in the Real News Network. So uh, really excited about that. Uh, Appreciate everybody watching us on YouTube. 32 people watching, 13 likes. Let's see if we can get those numbers up. And people in the chat, appreciate you. Uh, Infinite content. Um says, uh, you know, I'll be back at 1027. Already shared the link. Thank you. F YouTube censorship says that they tossed packages for years as a teamster. Uh, very, very cool. Spooky Wolf says, I found this podcast yesterday. Very happy someone is giving us rank and file teamsters a way to tell our story. And very happy that uh, uh, that we're able to provide that platform and, and able to listen. Um, we're really enjoying those conversations. Will Pina, good morning. 97 Strike Veteran right here. Very cool. Boogie1923, I need the name of this song, this version of it, please. I freaking love the show, 519 Teamster. The song is Which Side Are You On? The vocals are done by the author of the song, Florence Reese, at a UMWA convention. Uh, But all the back stuff was done by Jules Taylor, and we commissioned it, actually. We commissioned the song. And, uh, and so there is no standalone version of this song out there, but, uh, we do at some point we want to put out something where you can, where we can just give it. Cause we, we've been getting a lot of, of requests for that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think we do need to drop a, just a standalone, like a music video, uh, mm-hmm. perhaps with that song. I think, uh, I think folks would be into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
G Sizzle Rips. I'm I'm UAW and our grievance procedure allows the corporation and the IUAW to keep us out of work for years. How is that timely manner? When we approach our leaders to have that change in the CBA to a direct time frame, the UAW leaders want nothing to do with that. Think about that. They discipline anyone who tries to stand up for for workers' rights. And I do think that there's been a lot of issues with the UAW's leadership over the past few decades. And I, my understanding from the outside is that that has changed a lot. And so hopefully you're going to be able to see uh, some of those issues addressed in these contract negotiations. We're going to be talking about that some later in the show. Uh, and I would just encourage you to be persistent in, in resolving the issue. Um, sometimes our, our unions break our hearts, and that's the yep. reality of being a union member. Uh, but do not give up on your rights and defending and advocating for yourself and you know, just continue to persist into the next level and to the next level and to the next level. Uh, if that's what it ha- you know what it takes, and and continue to build relationships and build allies to help you in that struggle. Absolutely, Will with a twenty dollars super chat. I really appreciate the episode. United then in ninety seven and United in twenty twenty three. Really uh, appreciate that. Uh, that goes a long way. Infinite content says we're almost at five thousand subscribers, and indeed we are. Isn't that crazy? Four point five eight thousand subscribers. That's wild. Okay, so got through all the chats. Let's go ahead and get to the main. Uh, get get to some of the f- stuff that we wanted to start the show out with today, and that is uh, Boss Watch. We are uh, we're I think we're gonna do a make this a regular segment on the show, Boss Watch or Bosses Behaving Badly. Don't think we've come up with a name for it, but we want to do like a whole like intro music um, uh, uh, and everything. We're going to do the whole shebang. We don't have it ready yet, but we do have stories ready for you. Um, and the reason for this is that you know, look, we are bombarded every night on like the local news with um, stories about poor and working folk creating various crimes uh, or, or committing various crimes, allegedly, right? The, we, we get these mugshots and people haven't even been convicted yet. And some of these people are acquitted. Some of these people, the charges are dropped and you never actually get that follow-up story, but they do have that mugshot of them <laughs> on the internet forever with that article. And some people have actually not been hired because of stuff like that. Um, but that's what, you know, we get stuff like that every single night on the nightly news, um, you know, shoplifting, um, stuff like this. And this is not to excuse that, but it is important to understand things in their proper context because the reality is that bosses steal more from workers than all other property crime combined. Okay, let that sink in. Bosses, corporations, take more from working people in wage theft than all other property crime combined. Workers die on the job at almost the same rate as they are killed. And in some states, the rate is actually higher. I looked this up this morning. The -the on-the-job fatality rate in Alabama is 5.5 per 100,000. And the murder rate in Alabama is 6.2. Okay? So, So every time you see a murderer... Their mugshot, which is obviously like, you know, okay, we should, you know, we should know about murderers in our community. That's not, I don't have an issue with that necessarily. But every time you see a murderer's mugshot, you should see a boss's mugshot. Because that's happening at the same rate here in the state of Alabama. Okay, so let's go through these. We've got one, two, three, four, five stories for you today. All, all of these in the last week. Crazy. 
So let's uh, let's start here in Alabama. Hutchins Food Group to pay $50,000 to settle an EEOC sexual harassment lawsuit. Hutchins Food Group owner and operator pick and save grocery stores in several states and headquartered in Bowling Green, Kentucky, has agreed to pay $50,000 and other relief to settle a sexual harassment lawsuit filed by the U.S. Equal Opportunity Com- Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the federal agency announced today. This is from their press release. According to the EEOC's lawsuit, Hutchins Food Group subjected female employees at the Pick and Save grocery store in Evergreen, Alabama, to frequent, unwelcome, sexual touching by a regular customer of the store for several years. I mean, every word of this is just continuing to get worse. How do you allow somebody to come in and touch your employees for years and not doing any, anything about it? It's insane. And and it, it's going to continue to get worse, if you can imagine that. Although female employees repeatedly complained to store supervisors, the company failed to take prompt corrective action to prevent or stop the harassment. After repeated complaints went unheeded on June 5th, 2020, one female employee called the police who came to the store and issued the customer a trespass notice signed by the store manager. Nevertheless, the customer was still allowed to enter the store until at least September of 2020. Another three months, according to the lawsuit. This alleged conduct violates Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits a hostile environment based on sexual harassment in the workplace. The EEOC filed suit in U.S. District Court uh, for the Southern District of Alabama after it completed an investigation. Uh, The four-year consent decree resolving the lawsuit requires Hutchins Food Group to pay $50,000 to one victim of the harassment, and the company will will develop or revise policies and procedures to prevent and correct sexual harassment. The company is also required to conduct annual training for employees and managers in its Evergreen store and 15 other stores in Alabama to ensure compliance with these policies and the law, and the EEOC will be monitoring the company's compliance for the duration of the decree. Crazy stuff. Years of sexual harassment. Um, really not good. Not good at all. Uh, okay, let's head over to Missouri where the U.S. Department of Labor proposes $393,000 in fines after follow-up inspections find Verona, Missouri chemical plant continuing to endanger workers. The BCP ingredients were cited for 16 additional violations after 24 violations were issued in 2021. Less than two years after an investigation found dozens of serious safety and health violations at a Verona chemical plant, workplace safety inspectors with the U.S. Department of Labor identified 16 more violations, including those that put employees at risk of exposure to toxic substances such as ethylene oxide. After its January 2023 follow-up inspection, the Department's Occupational Safety and Health Administration issued four repeat, nine serious safety and health violations and proposed $393,798 
in penalties to BCP Ingredients Incorporated, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of Bauchum Corporation. The agency also issued a hazard letter for inadequate medical evaluation procedures for workers exposed to ethylene oxide. In October 2021, OSHA cited the same facility for 24 serious safety and health violations. So here's specifically what they cited them for. Inadequate process safety management procedures and monitoring failing to develop an emergency evacuation plan, failing to train workers on actions to take in the event of a chemical release, exposing respirators to ethylene oxide while in storage. I mean, can you imagine, like, this is the respirator. Like, that's the thing that you put on to protect yourself from these gases, and they're being stored inside the gases. It's crazy. Allowing electrical safety hazards. The company has 15 days from receipt of these citations and penalties to comply, request an informal conference with OSHA's area director, or contest the findings before the Independent Occupational Safety and Health Review Commission. All right, there's another one in Missouri. Here's another bad boss in Missouri. Federal inspectors found sawmill exposed employee to the same unguarded saw that claimed the life of a 21-year-old worker only weeks earlier, Missouri Mats owner Don Gibson defied a January OSHA directive to guard a saw. Not yet a month on the job, here's what happened. Not yet a month on the job, a 21-year-old working at a sawmill operation in Brashear, in Brashear was learning how to operate a hurdle saw on January 11, 2023, when he suffered fatal injuries after getting caught and pulled into the vertical edger blades as they spun. His employer, Don Gibson, owner of Missouri Mats, failed to notify the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration that the fatality occurred. Somebody died, and he was like, "Nah, you know, I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna report it to OSHA, even though that's the law." That delayed OSHA's investigation of the incident until January 18th, 2023, and when investigators arrived at the work site. They issued Gibson a letter that required the company to protect employees from amputation hazards. I mean, that's a really, what are, you know, that's so strenuous. These re this red tape that businesses have to go through to protect their employees from having their limbs cut off. I mean, just, just really unreasonable, it seems to me. Uh, the letter also directed Gibson to report to OSHA that the mill had corrected the hazard. Just weeks later, like six weeks, five, six weeks later, OSHA inspectors returned on March the 1st, 2023 to continue their investigation. And when they returned, they discovered that Gibson failed to implement necessary controls and procedures for the sawmill and that his employees continued to operate the saw in the same condition that resulted in the death of his employee. The agency placed an imminent danger notice on the saw, which finally prompted Gibson to correct the sawmill's safety failure. This is not just, you know, oh, I'm going into, uh, uh, you know, I'm going into a workplace that is a little bit loud. I need to put some, you know, earpieces in, which that's, I mean, that's serious. You do need to put earpieces in uh, because hearing loss and tinnitus and this is all serious stuff, but it's not something like that. 
It's not something like, uh, you know, I mean, these are not trivial matters. This is something that can kill somebody and literally killed somebody less than two months ago and the boss still had not implemented any of the changes that he was ordered to by the government. Just a total lack of respect for human life, but he's not going to get arrested. You're not going to see his face on the local news behind bars. You're not going to see a local news segment talking about, oh, how, you know, there's crime in our community. He's violating the law. This guy's violating the law and killing people. But you're not going to get a segment like that on local news. I mean, just, you know, that's crazy. Inspectors also learned that the company knew that sawmill operators let the vertical edger continue to spin while they were inspecting the machine. This edger is large enough to cut full logs but they did not correct the procedure or retrain workers on how to use the machine safely. So as a result of all of this, OSHA cited the company for two willful, 53 serious, and two other than serious safety and health violations and proposed $346,954 in penalties. OSHA also placed the company in its severe violator enforcement program. While at Missouri Mats, the agency's investigators also observed workers under the age of 18 employed at the sawmill and operating heavy-powered industrial trucks and alerted the department's wage and hour division. Federal law, in case you didn't know, prohibits minors from working in hazardous occupations. I mean, just really, really crazy stuff. So here's specifically what investigators identified um, and, and cited the person for. Saw blades, pulleys, belts, woodworking machines, and grinding wheels without machine guards. Inadequate lockout tagout procedures to isolate energy during service maintenance. The company also failed to establish and follow proper procedures for controlling hazardous energy. Exposing employees walking and working on surfaces and near unguarded holes to fall hazards failing to provide required guardrails, insufficient training and evaluation of operators of powered industrial vehicles, failing to maintain portable fire extinguishers and not having a work training program on their use, exposing workers to the risk of electrical hazards, allowing improper use of ladders, lacking a hearing conservation program, failing to provide personal protective equipment for eyes, face, head, and feet, not labeling chemicals as required, improperly storing cylinders and equipment, failing to provide required safety information and training to employees. And, <laughs> I mean, it just keeps going. If that's not enough, these in incidents are not even the first time that this company has failed to comply with federal workplace safety and health laws. In 2012, OSHA investigated a fatality, another fatality, at a logging site operated by Don Gibson, as well as a sawmill owned by Gibson in Arbella, Missouri. The company has 15 days from, rece from receipt of the citations and penalties com to comply. Not going to see his mugshot. Let's head over to North Carolina, where the Department of Labor recovers $119,000 in back wages for 72 workers after North Carolina home care employer misclassifies them as contractors. 
The investigation found that uh, the provider of day and overnight home health care to the sick and elderly in the Wilson, North Carolina area, misclassified employees as independent contractors and paid them straight time rates for all hours worked. By doing so, the employer did not pay the effective work the affected workers their additional half-time premium rate for overtime hours uh, over 40 in a work week, which is a violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act. In addition, the employer failed to keep accurate pay records. On background, uh, from 2020 to 2022, Wage and Hour Division investigators identified violations in nearly 90%. <laughs> 90% of the more than 1,200 home care and nursing care investigations. These reviews led the agency to recover more than $16.2 million in back wages and liquidated damages for more than 13,000 workers. In addition, the division assessed employers a total of $156,404 in civil money penalties. Crazy stuff. We've got one more. Let's talk about Dollar General in Tampa, Florida. This is the last... The last, seg uh, the last story in Boss Watch, and then we're going to go to a break. The Department of Labor finds Dollar General continues to endanger workers as inspectors cite eight violations at Tampa stores, propose $342,000 in penalties, and, uh, and on background, the national discount retailer has faced more than $21 million in proposed penalties just since 2017. So this story, federal workplace safety inspections at two Tampa area Dollar General stores found that the company was again exposing employees to fire hazards and other unsafe conditions. Continuing the long history of disregard for worker safety by one of the nation's largest discount retailers. The U.S. Department of Labor's o Occupational Safety and Health Administration issued citations for two repeat violations after a January 18th, 2023 inspection at a Brandon store, identify, uh, which identified exit routes blocked and electrical hazards. Inspectors also found the store did not have a working employee restroom and left another restroom sewer drain uncovered, which created a trip hazard and no doubt smelled great. Two days later in Dade City, Florida, OSHA inspectors found an emergency exit blocked by rolling containers and merchandise, which exposed the workers to fire and entrapment hazards. After these inspections, OSHA issued citations to Dollar General Corporation for three repeat, two serious, and three other than serious violations and proposed penalties of $342,282. Since 2018, the company has faced more than $21 million in fines after more than 243 inspections nationwide. Between February 1st, 2022 and April 20th, 2023, in Alabama, Florida, and Georgia alone, Inspectors assessed Dollar General nearly $10 million in proposed fines after more than 30 investigations. And you may be thinking, wow, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. $10 million in a year, $21 million in six years. How is Dollar General going to afford that? Is the government going to put Dollar General out of business? Is, this, is, is, is OSHA really just kind of being too much here? Are they? In just the last year alone, okay, have that number in your mind, $21 million for all this over the last six years. In the last year alone, Dollar General made more than $3.3 billion in profits. Hmm. Huh. 
so 21 million dollars out of 3.3 that's just one year and these are over six years these are six years of violations and that's one year of profits uh what is 21 million divided by three billion three hundred million dollars in profit i don't know uh but it's not a lot is the answer that's not a lot but i'm sure they're gonna i'm sure they're gonna you know i'm sure they're gonna change surely after more than 200 failed inspections, Dollar General cannot claim that they misunderstood federal safety requirements, said OSHA Area Director Danelle Gendra in Tampa, Florida. Uh, yeah, obviously. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff there. But, uh, uh, but you know, the capitalist class are, are betters. Uh, they run society, actually, is what I'm told. They're the job creators. They make society run. Um, and they're just, I mean, you know, they're, they're just so, so good. That's what I'm always told. So yeah, there we go. That's boss watch. Uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna be doing that, I think pretty regularly. Um, and, and, you know, I, in the chat, there's a lot of people that are, <laughs> that are right, rightly, uh, you know, surprised. Wage theft accounts for about $50 billion a year in the U.S., says Infinite Content. Pretty sure, uh, pretty sure that that is, uh, um, that, that, that's been, that, that's from a study from the Economic Policy Institute. Uh, yeah, really crazy stuff. Ron M. says, no apologies for stealing from the boss, but why is it that when a boss deliberately steals from your paycheck, there is no chance, no chance they'll ever see the inside of a jail? Uh, that's because the bosses, uh, cre uh, you know, they created the laws. They bought the politicians is the long and short of it. Um, <clears throat> G Sizzle Rip says, your safety is our top priority, LOL. Company jargon we all know is just BS. Indeed. Indeed. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and go to a break, and we're going to be right back. We're going to talk about the actor strike. There's a lot of good stuff uh, coming out, uh, a lot of good clips that we're going to have for you. Um, Fran Drescher is really doing uh, doing a great job. Um, on the picket line and, and in her press conference a couple of days ago. Uh, so we're going to play a couple of clips from that and, and talk about some of the reasons for this actor strike and, and uh, weave it into what's going on with the writer strike as well. So don't go anywhere, folks. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. The phone number is 844-899-TVLR if you want to call in. Be right back. In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and family members are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough even to keep their jobs. We can fix this. It's time for us to find a way to close the health care coverage gap so that people can remain at work. Let's make this a priority. Let's close this gap and cover Alabama. To learn more and how you can help, visit CoverAlabama.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. 
No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. Are you looking for a better future, a career that can have you set for life, and to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? If you are, then consider a skilled trades apprenticeship with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. The work of IUPAT is all around us, from the industrial painters who work on the bridges to drywall finishers, floor coverers, the glazers who install the glass in our skylines, and so much more. With an IUPAT apprenticeship, you earn while you learn and receive benefits while learning the trade, including a pension. We provide world-class education free of charge. That's right, no student debt. Our starting salaries for apprentices that graduate is above the national median salary with benefits for entire families. And you have the flexibility to take your trade wherever you'd like in the country to work. IUPAT District Council 77 covers our entire region, so give Adam Booth a call at 205-603-3142 for more information. Again, that phone number is 205-603-3142. Come build a better future with us today and join IUPAC. The sign hit the city like a bolt of lightning. You know the photo. It's iconic. Marches in the streets holding a simple sign with a simple message. I am a man. The I Am Story podcast explores the fight that inspired those words. How a group of sanitation workers in Memphis stood up and made history. They don't see us as men and women. Go to IamStory.com or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senior Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senior Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senior Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senior Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Sinyard Law, the name with proven results. Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor. And you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morris and my co-host is Adam Keller. If you've got anything to add, you can give us a call or send us a text message. The phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. So uh, we have a new shirt, like I said, at the top of the show. 
Um, it is really, really cool. Um, take a look at this. I don't know if is that is that backwards, Adam? No, it's it's it's. You, you can I, read it. I think so. You I, can. I think. Is, <laughs> I, I'm not sure how y'all are seeing that. If it's no, it it looks like I'm looking at the <laughs> I'm looking at the stream now. Look at that. That's what you can buy on our on our website, tvlr.fm slash store. Uh, for people that are just listening to us on the podcast or as a on the radio, people just listening to us as a podcast or on the radio, you can check out our website, tvlr.fm slash store, where we have a new shirt uh, with the – it's a riff on the go-to-church billboard. If you live in Alabama or you have uh, been in Alabama for any length of time, you have seen the go-to-church billboard on – it's on – what I sixty five I sixty five, yeah. So if you've ever like driven south of Montgomery, heading towards the beach or whatever, uh, you know, or that that drive south, it's a classic. Yeah, it's a classic. It says, uh, "Go to church or the devil will get you." Uh, it's a very cool billboard, um, and so uh, we we riffed on it. Uh, we changed the devil to a boss with uh, with horns and a tail, and it, we have it saying, uh, "Join a union or the boss will get you," uh, which is um, which is verifiably true. Actually, the. The spiritual claims are a bit, you know, kind of up in the air, but the uh, but our claims are material and and verifiable. So, uh, so make sure that you get that. Uh, really good. It's it's a really cool shirt. I'm looking forward to getting it in. And I think the design is a little bit better. It's a little more streamlined. Um, and also, like I said, the shirt is better. The shirt is better. Happy to happy to be working with American Roots, uh, and of course, they are represented by the United Steelworkers. Uh, so definitely. Looking forward to getting that out there. Y'all check it out. I think you'll like it. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, we appreciate everybody watching the show. We got 60 people watching right now, about 60 people. We've been uh, uh, going between 50 and 70, which is uh, pretty, which is a little bit more than uh, than we usually get. So we appreciate all the new listeners. Wanted to take just a quick second to introduce ourselves. Um, I've said already, my name is Jacob Morrison. Uh, Adam Keller is on the other side of the screen for me right now um i am a uh, uh, i'm a worker i'm a member of the american federation of government employees i'm an assistant vice president of my union local 1858 which is basically what we call our stewards um i have been a member of the union for like five years also uh, secretary treasurer of the labor council here in north alabama Secretary Treasurer of the Labor Council in North Alabama. The Labor Council is like the Regional Federation of Unions, uh, which is a very important body, I think, uh, very important for unifying uh, the labor movement's voice. And, you know, I mean, the Labor Council is important kind of uh, politically and socially for the same reason that unions are important on the job, which is that, you know, the more of us band together, the more effective we are, right? Uh, so uh, really, I'm honored that, uh, that delegates to the Labor Council representing thousands of workers in the area have elected me uh, twice to be secretary treasurer. Um, and uh, and we started this radio show three years ago. I started it with David Story, who was then the president of the Machinist Union in Decatur, uh, to talk about to talk about, you know, uh, uh, to talk about unions and the good that they can do for working people, how they can, um, you know, how to form one, educate people on just what they are, uh, how to be an effective member, and also talk about, um, you know, current events from 
a working class perspective, from people who are members of the working class, who uh, you know this stuff affects, and who are uh, and and you know who can see um, the way that this affects working people from you know kind of a collective standpoint, um, and cut through a lot of the you know a lot of the noise that we see um, on mainstream media, on right wing talk radio. And, uh, and, and so we've been doing this for like three years and, uh, and, and we've been growing steadily. We appreciate everybody that listens and, and, and watches and, and participates in the chats and, and donates. Um, it, it means a lot. And, and, uh, we are, uh, you know, hopeful that we'll be able to continue doing it for, for several years to come. And if you think that, you know, my background in, you know, labor work is, is extensive and, and lengthy, uh, wait till you hear Adam's. <laughs> well, I don't know if I would go that far, but I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, my name is Adam Keller. I really am excited to be part of this project and, and have enjoyed being part of this project for the last two years. Uh, I got my start as a high school history teacher and got very involved as a teacher because it didn't take long to realize that uh, neither my colleagues and I or our students were being done right. And so I began organizing. And I just felt this calling. I felt this push, this urge that we we need to do something, um, that a better world is possible, but only if we fight for it, that we actually have to try to make things better. Uh, and I've just always had that, that belief, or at least, you know, throughout my adult life. And so my work as a high school history teacher brought me into uh, work as a field staffer for the Alabama Education Association. I did that for over five years, representing about 1,500 uh, workers in the Huntsville City School District, where I fought against corporate education reform and privatization uh, and did my best to organize workers in the education sector uh, against those forces. Um, and, you know, I also saw some of the, the downsides of uh, institutions that are, you know, at least ostensibly part of our movement. Uh, certainly experienced that, and that's a story for another day. But uh, in the last few years, what I've been doing, uh, I've been working as a union stagehand with IATSE Local 900, and I've really enjoyed getting to work with these brothers and sisters. Uh, it's a fun job doing the production at the Orion at the VBC, putting together these concerts and plays and just, you know, amazing live entertainment for folks. Uh, but working in a union team environment with my, my comrades there, uh, where we look out for one another and we take care of one another, and it's it's a great environment. So uh, much love to IOTC 900, where I serve as the political coordinator, uh, also a delegate to the North Alabama Labor Council that Jacob mentioned. And uh, Jacob didn't mention that he played an instrumental role in getting that restarted, uh, which I think has been huge. And so, uh, you know, during my time with AEA, I was involved with the staff union. I was a member of the bargaining team, executive board member, so I've been a union member, I've been a union officer, I've been a union staffer, uh, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, what motivates me is a desire to organize the working class, and I think that uh, why I participate with the Valley Labor Report is because we are trying to amplify the voices of the working class here in the American South, uh, starting right here in North Alabama, and by doing so, by building independent media that is of and by and for working people, we can actually uh, begin to strengthen this labor movement. And by strengthening this labor movement, 
by building solidarity with our coworkers uh, and building power at the shop floor, we can begin to actually build progress in the broader society. Uh, and that's what I'd like to see. I think a better Alabama is possible. I think a better country is possible. And I think uh, the best way we get there is through organizing our, our working class and building our power as a working class movement. Uh, and so that's why I do what I do. Uh, and I really appreciate all the folks who have been supportive of this project as we try to spread the gospel of solidarity and uh, collective organization and, and the power that comes from uh, organizing with your fellow workers. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as you can tell, not trained media professionals, uh, not journalists necessarily by trade. Um, we do this on the side. Um, and so, uh, uh, but, you know, I um, I like to think that we do a pretty good job. I'm, I'm pretty proud of, of the work that we put out um, and, uh, and and what we're able to do here on a, on a pretty shoestring budget. Um, so, so, yeah. We've worked with some really amazing people. We've had some great guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you are new, check out our back catalog. There's some guests there. I guarantee you, you will find something that, that interests you, uh, something that you'll enjoy. Uh, some, you know, we've talked to rank and file workers, union officers and leaders and organizers, community activists, uh, political candidates, scholars and journalists. We've talked to a lot of different types of folks. Uh, we've tried to elevate voices that are important. Uh, we've tried to respond to some of the nonsense that we're exposed to as working people on a regular basis. Um, but, you know, all with the, the intent that uh, we educate, we agitate, and we organize. Yeah. Uh, so with that introduction, let's go ahead and talk about the actor strike. Um, really big deal, really big deal. 160,000 actors went on strike at midnight last Thursday after the studios refused to meet them uh, where they needed to be met. And I want to underline as we open this topic that, you know, when people think actor, they think of people uh, like the current president of the union, Fran Drescher, or they think about Meryl Streep or George Clooney, people like this that, you know, that are wealthy, you know, uh, you know, they got wealthy from their labor as opposed to, you know, parasitically leeching off of the value that other people create by being an owner, but you know, they are wealthy. And, uh, and so that is kind of the quintessential, that is the archetypal actor. When you think about actor, you only, and it makes sense because these are the only people really that you're exposed to regularly is the people that, who, who have been wildly successful, but that is not the uh, that is not the majority of this union. That's not even a a, a a a strong minority of the union. Think about the number that I just said: a hundred sixty thousand people. A hundred sixty thousand people. There are simply not a hundred sixty thousand Meryl Streeps, right? Most of these people are working actors making, uh, you know, probably in fact uh, less than than a lot of the audience makes. Um, you know, uh, because the, the work that they do is, is infrequent, uh, kind of scattershot. And so it, it's really, uh, uh, it's really precarious being a working actor. And so we're not talking about people that, that are making millions and, and wanting to make, you know, tens of millions. We're talking about working folks who need 
don't just want, who need their compensation to keep up with the cost of living increases, who need to keep up with inflation, uh, and that need to have work secured for them in the future in the face of, uh, of threats, of theft of their intellectual property by artificial intelligence, um, and, and, and other things. And so, you know, uh, and, and, and that's not to say that anybody can become an actor with, with a sustainable livelihood, um, even under the good old days, right? Even under the good old days, um, or if they win everything that they're fighting for, that's not, this is not to say that everybody uh, can be a middle class actor and make a sustainable living because, by their nature, you know, in entertainment industries are, are highly competitive because a lot of people want to do that. Um, but there is plenty of money out there to make this a real livelihood for so many that the companies just want to take away. They just want to take away their livelihood for no reason and or, you know, because they want more profits. And the people that would suffer the most from this is, of course, the actors, but also consumers who will be deprived of actors that could have come up and could have been stars if they had been given the opportunity, if they had been able to make a living while they were waiting for their big break, right? Uh you know, think about how many people could be, but that uh, could be a good actor, but their environment precludes them from being able to because they just don't make a good enough living or they, they haven't had the opportunities. And so the more you decrease compensation for actors the more it is actually going to become a rich person's profession. Because the only people that could afford to only be paid five, ten thousand dollars a year while they're waiting for their big break is people who are wealthy, whose parents are wealthy from something else. And so if we want acting and entertainment to be a career that working people can actually achieve, we have to make it uh, a sustainable we have to make it a sustainable career. Um, and that's something, you know, uh, the, the studios are, are wanting to take that away. And so the president of SAG-AFTRA, Fran Drescher, uh, who, you know, many of you are going to know from her hit show in the 90s, The Nanny, she gave a really passionate speech as the strike was announced. And she started off, as so many people do when they're announcing a strike, talking about how this is, this is absolutely not what they wanted. The negotiating committee, the union, even the rank and file, they did not go into this saying, I'm going to strike come hell or high water. They can offer us the best deal that I could think of, and I want to go on strike just because I want to show it to these people. That's not how this union or any union, frankly, goes into negotiations. Because strikes are difficult on both parties. And if they can at all be avoided... People want to avoid them. And so uh, uh, so President Drescher, um, she, she spoke to that as she opened her statements. Let's, let's listen to this. I went in in earnest thinking that we would be able to avert a strike. The gravity of this move is not lost on me or our negotiating committee or our board members who have voted unanimously to proceed with a strike. 
it's a very serious thing that impacts thousands, if not millions of people all across this country and around the world. Not only members of this union, but people who work in other industries that service the people that work in this industry. And so it came with great sadness that we came to this crossroads, but we had no choice. We are the victims here. We are being victimized by a very greedy entity. I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us. I cannot believe it, quite frankly, how far apart we are on so many things, how they plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history at this very moment. So that was Fran Drescher, president of the Screen Actors Guild, uh, SAG-AFTRA. I'm forgetting what AFTRA stands for, but a friend of the show, Flash Ferentz, could tell you he was part of the radio union before it merged with, with SAG to become SAG-AFTRA. Um, and, and so, you know, really, uh, you know, passionate and and um an an important way to frame the conversation that that they are they understand that this is this is going to be difficult not only for them the people who are making the decision but also people in the rest of the broader economy right um so uh it, it is you know it is really sad uh that they are being made to do this by these companies um but it's also important to understand that that is the reality that they're being forced into this position by the companies. Um, and that's not something that you're going to see on, on, you know, in the media. Uh, and in fact, um, uh, President Drescher was, was asked a few times about, uh, in, in multiple places about, you know, aren't you worried about the, the impact this is going to have on other people? Um, and, and, you know, the, the person who they need to be asking that to is the CEOs of these studios, not the representative of, 160,000 working actors. But, you know, Bob Iger's not going to be asked that question. We're going to talk about Bob Iger here in a little bit. Here's a little bit of uh, uh, some, some historical trivia. The actors going on strike at the same time as the writers, that is a very big deal. And it's actually the first time that that's happened since uh, uh, since who was the president of SAG-AFTRA. Adam, do you, do you know? Since who was the president of SAG-AFTRA? Who was the president of SAG-AFTRA the last time the actors and the writers were on strike together? Wow. Um, gosh, I know it's been more than half a century, uh, so I'm not really sure who was the president at that time. Uh, the only, you know, my my mind went to Boris Karloff, but he was probably, uh, uh, that was, no, that was before his. No, Ronald Reagan. Oh, my God. No. Ronald Reagan led SAG-AFTRA into the uh, in, into a strike uh, with the writers, actually. He was at the head. Um, some people say that James Garner, the executive vice president, did all the work, wrote all the speeches. Uh, I would not doubt that. But... Uh, but, uh, which, which would also make sense because, you know, uh, the way that, you know, for you to be able to shift so quickly from 
leading a historic strike, quote, leading, quote unquote, a historic strike to uh, being the most anti-union president uh, in half a century. Uh, the only way you could do that is if you really have no kind of guiding compass and you're just like reading scripts of what, what people tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so immediately after that, and, and immediately after the union won a lot for those actors, he began working for GE to talk about how, um, you know, how unions are bad. He also worked for the American Medical Association, talking about how it would be bad if every American had health insurance. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, just a real, um, I was about to say freak. My wife doesn't like it when I say freak. She says that's not a good word. So, a real ba bad guy. <laughs> bad guy um so uh you know the strike is also historic for having been the biggest strike vote in the union's history the highest percentage of people voting in favor and uh president drescher spoke to some of those issues that are at stake here that that um that make it unique but also the same as every other as everything else that's going on uh in in labor right now let's listen to that clip we are fortunate enough to be in a country right now that happens to be labor friendly. And yet we were facing opposition that was so labor unfriendly, so tone deaf to what we are saying. You cannot change the business model as much as it has changed and not expect the contract to change too. We're not going to keep doing incremental changes on a contract that no longer honors what is happening right now with this business model that was foisted upon us. What are we doing? Moving around furniture on the Titanic? It's crazy. So the jig is up, AMPTP. We stand tall. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. We are labor and we stand tall and we demand respect and to be honored for our contribution. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. Thank you. That's exactly right. And, you know, uh, some of the stuff that she spoke to, like I said, is specific to actors, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, residuals, streaming services, how that has upended the industry. Uh, but the crux of it, is the same as she laid out at the beginning of her speech. The crux of it is really the same as any of these other stories at UPS, at uh, the UA, uh, uh, at the Big Three with the UAW. Um, any of these, the the crux is you've got these people at the very top who are not actually creating the value for the company, who are taking all of the money for themselves. A lot of these people, you know, the shareholders, the executive, the CEO. You could say there is potentially some work that a CEO does. You know, there is a there's a role for an administrative person at the top of the company. Uh, but the CEOs or, or the, the shareholders, they literally don't do anything, right? They just have money and make money because of that. And they want to take more of the value that we create for themselves. And that's the crux of it. That's, that's the crux of it, whether it's the actors, the writers, UPS drivers, GM workers, all of it. It's the same. These people who are sitting on piles of money want to steal more from us. Uh, so, 
So that's really the gist of it. So obviously all solidarity to the actors and the writers, and we're going to continue to cover the story. Um, and, 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 we're going to continue covering it actually right now um, because, like I mentioned earlier, the actors, they're not the only ones on strike. And Bob Iger, the CEO at Disney, was asked about the labor strife with both of these workforces in an interview on CNBC that was really, I mean, just so, so gross. They spent about two minutes on the largest entertainment labor action in decades out of a 40-minute interview, <laughs> the rest of which was more or less uh, fellatio. I mean, just, oh, aren't you so smart? Aren't you such an effective parasite? Aren't you so, wow, you're so great, Mr. Iger. You're so inspiring. Just really, uh, ugh, gross. Uh, but let's actually take a look at the entire two minutes where anything of relevance was talked about and and uh, react to this. And, and Adam, you may want to be prepared because there's going to be a, a couple of places that I'm going to want to stop. <laughs> Copy that. We're in the midst of a writer's strike and very likely it would seem to have a actors strike how is that going to impact things and what are your expectations there well i think it's very disturbing to me i you know we've talked about uh, disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges that we're facing and the recovery from covid which is ongoing it's not completely back this is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption okay stop it right there then pay them you absolute parasitic ghoul <laughs> if it's so bad, if it's so bad of a time for this to happen, you have the power to make it not happen. Just pay the actors. Pay the writers. Take a little bit less money for yourself and your shareholder friends. Okay, let's continue. I understand uh, any, any labor organization's desire to... Um, work on the behalf, behalf of its members to get you know, the most compensation, to be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We managed as an industry to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We wanted to do the same thing with the writers and we'd like to do the same thing with the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. And they are- We'll stop right there. Just not realistic. This guy's getting millions, tens of millions of dollars a year. And we're going to, you know, we're going to play this clip from Adam Conover in a bit. But he's talking in like he got there on a private jet in a he's at a billionaire retreat with all of these other parasites, Mark Zuckerberg, all these people. Uh, but he's talking about these people wanting to be able to pay their rent. They're not being realistic, wanting to pay their rent. Right. Trying to survive, yeah. feed their families. Let's keep going. Adding to a set of challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very disruptive. So they're not being realistic? Uh, no, they're not. Why not? I can't, I can't, I can't answer that question. I, again, I respect their right and their desire to get as much as they possibly can in compensation for their people. I, and I completely respect that. I've been around long enough to understand that dynamic and to appreciate it. But you also have to be realistic about it, the business environment and what this business can deliver. It is and has been a great business for all of these people, and it will continue to be, even through disruptive times. But, you know, being realistic is imperative What are you here. doing in the interim, then? 
does AI well, start to it write a lot of scripts? It will have a it will have a very very damaging effect on the whole business, and unfortunately, the strike will. there's huge collateral damage in the industry to people who are you know who are support services. I could go on and on. It will affect the economy of you know different regions even because yeah. of just the size, sheer size of the business. It's a shame. It is really a shame. Yeah, yeah, it is a shame, uh, and it's. Uh, people like him. It's it's their fault, right? You can totally end this if if you're so concerned about the collateral damage, quote unquote, of this strike. We'll settle it. Yeah, settle it with a fair contract for the people who actually create the value in which you profit from. Uh, he wasn't the only executive to make ghoulish remarks about the strike. There was another one who was um. Uh, uh, who was quoted anonymously, I believe, who said that, um, you know, they, they're they really fine. Uh, it's not a big deal. They're just going to wait for these people to become homeless, the writers and actors to become homeless. Quote, the end game is to, is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their homes. That's what these people want to happen. Right? That's the end game for them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, just a, just a symphony of, of evil things coming from the, these types of people. Um, right. And, and I want you to think about whose side are you on in this situation and who, who really, uh, who do you have more in common with? Yeah. Mr. Iger or these workers who are trying to just scrape together a living. Right. So uh, Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, uh, multi-hundred millionaire, maybe a billionaire potentially, I'm not sure, uh, those comments were made before the actor strike began, obviously during the actor strike. It's now three or four months long. Uh, but Fran Drescher was asked about, the, uh, uh, about those comments after the strike began while she was, I think she was on the picket line. And, uh, and here's the response that she gave to a reporter. Comments yesterday. I, I, I found them terribly repugnant and out of touch, positively tone deaf. And, you know, I don't think it served him well. If, if I were that company, I would lock him behind doors and never let him talk to anybody about this because it's so obvious that he has no clue as to what is really happening on the ground with hardworking people that don't make anywhere near the salary that he, he's making. By seven figures, eight figures, it's like this is crazy money that they make and they don't care. They're like land barons of a medieval time. What did you yeah, and uh, she's absolutely right from a PR perspective. How do you let these, uh, these people continue to speak? I mean, if you are the, the you know... I, I, can you imagine being like a press person for these companies right now? I mean, she's at like she's totally right that the smart thing for them to do would be to tie them up and throw them in a basement for the duration of the strike. Uh, even if they, I mean, just from a uh, from their for their own good, that would be the best thing for them to do. Um, but you know, these people are, in addition to being you know parasites and blood sucking leeches, they're also insanely arrogant and and narcissistic, and they think that they can do no wrong. So 
they are not going to be tied up and thrown in the basement. Uh, they're going to continue uh, blabbering when people ask them about things. Um, in addition to President Drescher responding, Adam Conover responded as well, also from the picket line. He is in both SAG-AFTRA and the WGA, and he is on the WGA's negotiating committee. Uh, let's listen to Adam's response. So this morning, the CEO of Disney went on TV and said that what writers and actors are asking for is not realistic because they just don't have enough money to pay us. But he said this at a billionaire retreat where he was hanging out with Mark Zuckerberg and David Zaslav that they all flew to on their private jets. And you know what? I don't think that that's realistic. Here's a dose of reality for you, Bob. Writers cannot afford to pay their mortgages. Actors are not able to make a living in Los Angeles anymore. That is reality to us not flying around on private jets. And until you accept that reality, we are going to be out here on the picket lines withholding our labor, depriving you of your product, and you will not make another dollar off of us until you come back to the table and face reality and negotiate with us as you have refused to do. And until you do that, there will be no acting and no writing. Powerful words, uh, great stuff, as always, from Adam Conover. Um, I mean, uh, exactly right. Nothing really to add. And so, uh, since I don't have anything to add, I've got one more person involved in this strike that had a response to some of these uh, some of these comments. And this one was, in particular, responding to the anonymous studio executive who said that they want to make people homeless. Let's hear what Ron Perlman said. But I will say one thing before I get off this. The mother who said we're going to keep this thing going until people start losing their houses and their apartments. Listen to me. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. Some of it is financial. Some of it is karma. And some of it is just figuring out who the said that. And we know who said that. And where lives there's a lot of ways to lose your house you wish that on people you wish that families starve while you're making 27 million dollars a year for creating nothing be careful mother be really careful because that's the kind of that stirs it up peace out I did not realize how much cursing there was in that video. Ben was right that he did have to bleep out of like half the video. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of editing on our part on that one. Uh, so yeah, uh, that was Ron Perlman. Um, yeah, thanks, Ron. Good stuff. Uh, so with that, let's go ahead and, and uh, oh, actually, I'm going to respond to some of this stuff in the chat. Uh, Max Alvarez actually uh, got it right. Uh, he knew that it was Reagan that um, that was uh, the president during the last actor strike that was coincided with the writers. We got a 499 super chat from Reckoning Collective Media that said a WDRB news host just claimed during the strike of the 90s drivers were, quote, proud of the scab work their managers did. Dumber than the 35 an hour claim. <laughs> it sounds pretty dumb, uh, for sure. Um, da uh, Del Real 1040. I'm a UPS driver. I really appreciate your channel, man. Keep up the great work. We're kinda, we're gonna come out on top. Local 639. Uh, thank you for your support. Um, hustler of culture, but but Ad Asner was head for a while there. No, uh, maybe I'm not sure. I'm not really familiar with um, 
with the the history of the presidents of the of SAG after Will says uh, the devil Ronald Reagan, um, and that's correct. Uh, Ronald Reagan's the devil. Glad Reagan did. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see here some other stuff. Brandon says I stand with Fran. She is my Khaleesi. What's a Khaleesi? Um, you know, it's, I think it's a reference to, uh, what is it, Game of Thrones, perhaps? I don't know. A reference to a show I didn't watch. Okay. How about that? Tristan says, y'all need to get Conover on the show or get a spot on his. Um, we, uh, he may very well, he might would come on the show, actually. We need to send him an invite. Um, Devastator Omega says, it's not anonymous anymore. It was the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, who makes $27 million. Just recently, Wall Street gave him a raise, making $31 million now. Is that actually, uh, was? has it been confirmed that Bob Iger was the one that said the homeless, the stuff about making people homeless? I wasn't, I hadn't heard that, but maybe. That's... I'm not sure. Uh, that could have developed here recently. I do know those figures are accurate in terms of the salary, though. Uh, yes. Uh, because, yeah, he has just been given a bigger bonus. He can get a bigger bonus now. Imagine getting a, a bonus during a strike. A strike that supposedly is creating such collateral right. damage to yeah. the industry and to the economy yeah. uh, that is just such, you know, folks yeah. are not being realistic. Uh, it's just totally disgusting the amount of corporate greed uh, on display with these studios and, of course, you know, throughout their economy. But. Uh, you know, these studios are definitely the prime example this week mm-hmm. of, you know, extraordinary corporate greed that has just run amok in this country uh, as we continually diminish ourselves into a gilded age kind of throwback here. Uh, and the only thing we can do to fight back against that is to organize with our fellow workers. Yep. Let's go ahead and take our final break, and we'll be right back. Um, we are uh, we're going to do some deliberation during the break about what we want to end the show on. Um, and, of course, if you're listening to us on the radio, find us online, YouTube, Facebook, where we are going to be continuing the show for another hour and a half after we go off the radio at 11. And we are going to talk, about, uh, talk to Teddy Ostro at 1130 about what's going on with UPS and the Teamsters and what happened in 1997 and what we can learn from it uh, and, and what it, uh, why it matters for today. Really looking forward to that. Going to be a great conversation. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and neighbors are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough to keep their jobs. We need to fix this. Let's close the health care coverage gap. To learn more, visit CoverAlabama.org. Support for this program also comes from the Ironworkers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower-than-average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, Or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long term, if you need ironworkers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer, and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Ironworkers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. 
it. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256 383 3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. The Laborers International Union of North America, Local 366, is proudly recruiting North Alabama workers to work construction and nuclear plant maintenance. If you're interested, please contact Donna at their training center to start the process. That phone number is 256 415 Again, that phone number is 256-415-7452. No experience is needed. Free training is offered, but you must be able to pass a background check and a drug test. Local hiring that grows our community with good-paying jobs that have benefits is their mission. Live better. Work union. Local 366. Feel the power. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senior'd Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senior'd Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senior'd Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senior'd Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senior'd Law. The name with proven results. Do you work in an auto manufacturing plant? Are you tired of taking pride in your work without getting the respect you deserve? Consider joining the fight to unionize. Auto workers across the industry are coming together because with a union, we can negotiate for the pay, benefits, and security that we deserve and can help sustain our families. In union plants, workers bargain for long-term wage increases, competitive bonuses, and more affordable benefits. You can join the growing wave of organizing today. Find out more and contact us at Uniting Auto Workers on Facebook or contact UAW Region 8 in Lebanon, Tennessee by going to www.uawregion8.net. That's www.uawregion, the number 8, dot N-E-T. A better future is ours. Come on, 
Alabama's only union talk radio show. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is Adam Keller. If you've got anything to add, you can give us a call or send us a text message at at, uh, the phone number, 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. You can also join us on YouTube in the chat in the chat where uh, we are responding, as you've seen throughout the show, to some of the comments. Uh, Richard says, I'm a package car driver at UPS Local 340 in Maine. Really like your show. Wicked information. Stand tall, brothers and sisters. We'll come out on top. Solidarity. Indeed. Appreciate your support, brother Richard. We've got 87 people watching us now. 45 likes. Let's see if we can get those numbers up. Uh, If you can, like the stream. Absolutely. Yeah, we'd really appreciate it. So I did want to mention that this week in 1934, thousands of textile workers across northern Alabama from Huntsville to Piedmont went on strike, demanding better wages and safer working conditions. The mill owners had just enacted a 25% wage cut. The work stoppage was organized by local leaders, not the national leadership of the United Textile Workers. It would eventually lead to a broader strike throughout textile mills in the south and throughout the country, known as the Uprising of 34, the largest textile strike in U.S. history involving nearly half a million mill workers. To learn more stories like this, check out our monthly labor history episodes on our Shop Talk series, which debuts on Thursdays on YouTube. Uh, So this past week, I did July labor history, uh, and uh, I've got some interesting stuff planned here for the rest of the month. I think I'm going to do a deep dive on a local strike here in Alabama, Uh, so it should be good. Stay tuned for Shop Talk. Definitely check out some of our previous episodes if you've missed those. And for those of you who don't know, we do air live on WBNN, which is the right-wing talk radio station in Huntsville, Athens listening area, every Saturday from 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. with our overtime at 11 o'clock, airing online only on YouTube and Facebook, and of course later as a podcast. Uh, we got our start on WVNN, which is the birthplace of Sean Hannity and home to all sorts of propaganda that we find objectionable, frankly. Uh, but we think it's important to get a different perspective out there to multiple audiences. We're happy that a portion of the show is replayed during the week on WZZA, the historic black radio station in Northwest Alabama, and on WHIV, a community radio station in New Orleans. We released the full episode on Spotify, Apple, and the various podcasting apps. So please subscribe to us on your app of choice and give us a good review. And throughout the week, clips of the show are released as standalone videos on YouTube and in some cases TikTok. So if there's a specific segment or interview you want to find, we do try to make it easy for you. Just do us a favor and hit subscribe and like. And all of our content is free. Special thanks to all of you who donate, all of you who comment and call in, and all of you who have liked us, shared us, and reviewed us. Your engagement on social media and the podcasting apps really does help, and that's a quick, easy, and free way to support the program. If you believe it's important to have our own media of, by, and for the Southern working class, please consider supporting us however you can, and please share with your coworkers, friends, family, and neighbors. We know there's a lot of good causes to support, and our audience are working folks with limited incomes. So if you find value in our project and you're willing to chip in a couple bucks, it really would mean a lot. We've got some great stuff planned as we continue to grow this project, and we can't do it without you. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. We have a caller on the line, but we don't have enough time to get to them before we head into overtime. So if you, uh, yeah, yeah, if you stick around for about 10 more minutes or so, we will pick up your call. Um, and uh, we've got it. We, we really do have a great overtime planned. Uh, we're going to be talking some about uh, the UAW beginning their negotiations. We're obviously, like I said, going to be talking to Teddy Ostro. Um, and we're going to be uh, taking a look at um, this new, a new thing on TikTok, apparently, uh, scab influencers. So uh, we're going to take a look at that and really excited for Adam's reaction. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, there is. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so definitely stay tuned for overtime, folks. Um, and as we're wrapping up here on the radio, just want to remind you, as we do every week, that our friends at Labor Notes are hosting a, uh, they always host a series of online trainings. You can go to labornotes.org to see what they have right now. Uh, they are doing a Secrets of a Successful Organizer series on Wednesdays during the month of July. So that's uh, definitely a good training to check out. Um from Resilience to Restoration presents a summer special Jobs and Justice Zoom web webinar with Kathleen Kirkpatrick and Patricia Todd on Monday, July the 17th at 6 p.m. Central. So that's this Monday. Both of those are friend of the show, uh, former guest, and it should be a great discussion on clean energy uh, and how we can make that help working class communities. Also on that Monday at 4.30 p.m. at May Jemison High School on Pulaski Pike in Huntsville, there's going to be a redistricting town hall head by, held by uh, Representative Anthony Daniels and Representative Laura Hall. Uh, so you may want to go check that out if you are local. Alabama Arise also has a town hall Tuesdays. They have regular town hall Tuesdays coming up on July the 18th at 6 p.m. is Building on Our Vision. You can join that session to discuss advances we made, uh, Alabama Arise made this year, and to hear from each other about potential issues moving forward. Uh, check out Michael Bailey and Jennifer Yarbrough's uh, Indoor Air Care Advocates uh, um, meeting on, <laughs> sorry, the word just left me, meeting on Wednesday, July the 19th at Madison Public Library at 6.30 p.m. to talk about how to improve air quality on your job and in your schools. And uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and head into overtime, folks. Really great uh, overtime coming up, so make sure you find us on YouTube or Facebook so you can continue watching the show. Uh, and if you don't, then we'll see you on the radio next week. <laughs>